Hey guys, welcome back to the Kind of an Expert podcast. As always, my name is Corey Tyndall and I am your host. And this week I chatted with one of my good friends from high school, Sam Gagoff, who has been in a previous episode. He did the episode on coming out as gay, uh, which was a really good episode. I highly recommend every one of you go listen to that as well. But this week we took a very different tone and decided to talk about food and cooking. Uh, Sam has uh, had a hobby of food and cooking since uh, about high school, so it's been you know over a decade. And while he's not an official chef, he is really good at this stuff and has a really good understanding of uh, how cooking works, kind of the intricacies. Um, and really what we talk about is a whole range of stuff from cooking media and like where you can find different cooking videos to uh, tips and tricks on how average people can cook better without actually even really changing anything all the way to you know different scandals that have happened with food media celebrities like uh, Guy Fieri uh, which he had a really weird one so uh, I hope you guys enjoy the episode we talk about that near the end so so listen to the whole thing um i also appreciate you guys listening um if you enjoy the episode give it a like give it a share to a friend and give it a subscribe uh wherever you're listening to the episode and with that let's get into it podcast to uh chill our fiery hearts or i did it backwards it's that what is what is the quote i mean i i think you got one right and then they just they do it backwards themselves yeah where they uh they write a uh warm trot yeah warm tropical island song to melt his icy heart i don't even remember who they talk about in the joke yeah i don't remember from from South Park. So this is a this is a warm tropical island podcast to melt everyone's icy hearts in uh Denver, Michigan, <laughs> New York. Everyone's fucking cold right now except for us. And uh welcome. <laughs> yeah, you Yeah, they those people should have taken the Ted Cruz route yes. slash the Sam Gagoff Corey Tyndall route. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. We're spending the next next chunk of podcasts are all going to come from uh puerto rico because uh ted cruz personally texted us and he said i'm going to send my family to cancun but i'm coming to, to puerto rico and you guys should come with us so we're just living here now i've started wearing hawaiian shirts never done that before yeah i mean they're nice they're comfortable they are i love them i know i'm starting to feel like a dad down here just living my best island life. I'm kind of surprised we actually did this. I was half uh, half thinking that we we're going to get drunk on Madaya and completely forget. So, uh, Do this podcast or actually yeah, do the podcast? Here? No, no. Coming down here, I, I was like, no, I'm making that happen. And I picked a good winter to do it. Last winter, it wasn't that cold. It wasn't too bad. But this winter, it's been horrible. Yeah, we got really fortunate with the timing, too. Because, um, I mean, at least... Uh, Denver, um, where I'm, where I'm living now, you know, it's been nice for the most part, but, uh, 
yeah, just got hit by this storm that's affecting a huge chunk of the country. And, you know, the day I left, the temperature started to hit the negatives. So, Ooh. yeah. God damn, that's an 80-degree swing in one day. You went from negative degrees to 85 degrees. That, like, I don't know. That must feel so nice. It does. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> oh, but we are the... The ultimate vacation question, and this this podcast is about cooking and like food and whatnot, mm-hmm. but I want to start with this. The ultimate vacation question, whenever you go on vacation, how often do you cook versus how often do you go out on a general vacation? Let's say for like a week and then let's say for like a month, like we're doing. What do you, because we've been cooking a ton. We have been cooking a ton, yeah. Um, and I anticipate that we'll start to eat out more and more as uh, we go along. Um, well, what did you for do some... growing up? Like, did your family always, like, when you guys went on, uh, went to, did you guys vacation that much? I don't really remember you We guys. vacationed, like, once a year. I think it was, um, you know, we went out most of the time. Um, but I think partly, I think some of the culture around that has just shifted um, given the short-term rental, uh, that mm. expansion, you yeah. know, since the 2010s, because, you know, most vacations, we would just be in a hotel and you can't really do your own cooking there. That is very, very true. Yeah. The only thing you could really do was like order a pizza and then room service. We were way too poor for room service. So. Yeah, whoever. I don't actually know people who ordered room service. No. The only people I think I've ever seen order room service are like drunk, uh, like bachelor party type, just like hammered back to the room, forgot to get food, ordered room service. But like, I guess maybe if like your work's paying for it, you could. It just it was like twenty bucks for. Just so little food didn't seem didn't seem worth it, but yeah, Airbnbs totally changed that. Yeah, and I think for the better too. I think it's nice, you know, rather than being stuck with a continental breakfast, you can actually <laughs> make something decent yourself. That's true. Like our massive, uh, our our massive uh, breakfast burritos that we made earlier in the week with the grilled cheese tortilla. Which, uh, for for anyone who's who's listening, uh, my friend Ashley, who's been on the podcast, the one who who just got uh, married, uh, go check out that episode. Uh, getting getting married in a pandemic. She told me she taught me one time we were making quesadillas. You treat the quesadilla tortilla like you would a grilled cheese, and you butter one side of it. And then put a ton of cheese on the other side, put it down in a pan, and you like pan fry the tortilla, and it's like, it's so buttery and so much more cheesy, and it's it's an immediate upgrade on whatever quesadilla or taco you were just doing with the soft shell. Yeah, can confirm. Um, yeah, no, that was a really. Uh, I've never done that with a. I've never buttered the other side of a tortilla before. I've always just put it flat on the pan to get it that uh, brown crispy exterior, but I think the extra fat really helped it out. Yeah, definitely. But you've taught me like a ton of different tricks. So it's been like four days. We've cooked like five things. I feel like I've taken a a cooking class already. Oh, wow. Like uh, like when we did like the, the pasta Alfredo, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know, how do you make Alfredo sauce? 
and then you you gave the explanation and I was like, oh, that's so easy. Why aren't I doing this? Yeah, and I think it's a lot easier to, and I think people just have different ways of making Alfredo particularly, and I may come off as pretentious here, but. (laughs) (laughs) No, well, Um, how how did you make? So how I made it, I think, is different from how a lot of people make it. Uh, I exclusively used butter and Parmesan. Um, and that's it. As the base of the sauce and pasta water. But, yeah, that's that's all you uh, need. Yeah. Um, that's another trick you taught me, which is, like, pasta water. Like, you need the starch. It's so underutilized for making good pastas here. Yeah, you don't strain your noodles. No. Depends on the dish, but for a lot of them, no. You can use that starch to, uh, you know, if you have an oil-based sauce, um, the pasta water is really helpful in um, giving it some body. Hmm. uh, So it's like thicker? Yeah, it makes it thicker because of the additional starch in that pasta water um, after you've cooked the pasta. And, um, you know, if you shake it vigorously... uh, that helps bind the oil and the water together, hmm. which normally would stay separate. And, um, you know, that's how you can make a, you know, a full bodied oil sauce. That's how like a lot of, uh, you know, that sort of emulsification process that's essential in a lot of different types of cooking too. Like if you're ever making like a salad dressing, it's, absolutely necessary just use pasta water base. for your for your salad dressing. yeah just <laughs> you know make sure you save all your pasta water i call people. this spaghetti caesar yeah <laughs> um yeah no that that part really threw me off because uh at the when i was doing the dishes because that's what i've been relegated to because my uh my cooking skills are not even close to yours. So it's like, no, 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 you can cook. You're so much better at it. I'll just clean it up. There was like a bunch of pasta or just like a bunch of pasta water. I was so confused at first, but that's like, and when you say like oil-based sauce, that's like, that's any sort of a white sauce. That's like olive oil. That, that wouldn't be like a red sauce or what about like a vodka sauce? Uh, vodka sauce. You wouldn't use that because that's also, um, that's a red sauce. Okay. But it's a little bit thicker, so I wasn't sure. See, this is like I I cooked a decent amount growing up, like in in high school one night a week. That was one of my chores. I had to cook dinner. Mm-hmm. Um and then in college I cooked a decent amount, but it's so hard to cook in New York. One because the kitchens are so small, which is what you you pointed out a couple days ago. You were mm-hmm. like, Do you even have room to cook? And I was like, Not really. And then the other part of it is like food comparatively in the grocery store is so expensive uh, compared to like restaurant food. Like it's it's almost not worth it's it's only like a one or two dollar difference to go get takeout as opposed to cook. So it's you know, it's it's almost not worth it most of the time. And as a uh, cherry on top of that, too, I mean, you're in the culinary capital of the United States, Mm -hmm. you know anyone who wants to make it as a big time chef uh new york is going to be uh probably your top destination yeah um i mean i'm not going to those restaurants most of the time but fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that is uh yeah i mean even like it ups the ante though everywhere i think though. it does like i remember i remember last time i visited you in new york we um we got this like Vietnamese late night food. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, we went close. to uh 
uh, it was the dumpling, Vanessa's dumplings in um, in Williamsburg, I think. Or no, what? Uh, where that, did? Shit, where did we go? I couldn't tell you. I, I think it was close to NYU, but I could be mistaken. Oh, we went to Kati Roll. It was like in. It was Indian. I remember. No, we yeah, went yeah, there yeah. a separate day. Oh, okay, all right. But we went there too, and I guess it also Kati Roll would also. Uh, help illuminate the same point um in that like like i couldn't get like good late night indian food in denver and i think and i mean denver has a food scene oh yeah but like it's a big city you know getting like good quality indian food just you know at midnight when i'm drunk is an impossibility there that's very true um and yeah, I think that was something that just opened my eyes. Like, wow, I could literally get anything I wanted at any time in this place. And there are going to be good options available. Well, that's, that's the other part Even of the it. street halal I thought was, Oh, the street halal is fucking awesome. Yeah. I love the street halal. Um, it's cheap too. And the, I mean, the thing about New York too, is like people, uh, I get when people visit, I get the question a lot. They're like, Oh, is this place good? Like they find a place on, on Google maps. They're like, is this place good? Is this place good? And I'm like, look, there's so much competition in New York and the rent is so high that if it was bad, it wouldn't be open. Like there is no such thing as a bad restaurant in New York. Like you could theoretically get bad service, but the food is really good. But just the, especially during the pandemic, like there's, you can't find bad food unless it's so cheap that a ton of people get it. Like, obviously, you can get McDonald's or Burger King or something along those lines. But, um, but yeah, it really kind of creates a, a culinary culture. And even, like, I would put, like, you know, just regular Thai food restaurant in New York, probably better than a regular Thai food restaurant, at least where we grew up in, in Grand Rapids. Like, there's no way it's, it's going to be worse. But, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit spoiled and that causes me not to cook. And then when we're here and you're cooking all these different things, I'm just like, I don't know shit about any of it. And you're just like, I mean, you're the, in the spirit of kind of an expert, like you're not a real chef. Like you don't have a chef job. You just watch like a ton of YouTube videos. Yeah. On cooking, I just watch. And then you try it. Yeah, uh, sometimes so, I'll even well, sure. say like <laughs> I watch try everything. I don't even yeah, which is I honestly find I it's kind of strange. Like I will watch YouTube videos of something being cooked with absolutely no intention of making the product <laughs> that they're cooking. Yeah. Um. Yeah, which is just a little bizarre, but that also helps like. You know, if I do find myself in a scenario, like uh, when we made mac- macaroni salad the other day. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, I... No recipe. Uh, yeah, I had no idea. Just a shitload of mayo. Yeah, it's pretty much. <laughs> a surprisingly high amount of mayo, but... Um, yeah, no, I, I only knew like a general idea of like what I wanted just because I have 
watched videos <laughs> on someone making macaroni salad and i'm just like wow. oh okay that's how you do it you are deep into cooking youtube videos if you got all the way to macaroni salad really deep i yeah <laughs> i'm seeing like steak like creme brulee like the fancy shit which i'm sure you've seen a hundred different ways to cook a steak oh my god there's so many different opinions on those like bigger things like uh i think the weirdest one for me is scrambled eggs there are a million opinions right and videos on scrambled eggs and then like you know someone on the internet will watch watch one and then go watch another and like we're doing it the same yeah like even the simple like the simple act of uh like either scrambling it in the pan or uh or sorry mixing it in the pan or mixing it in a bowl like that that is like a heated divide i just put them right in the pan and mix the eggs right in there while I'm doing that and then like I've I've been yelled at for it it's like by other people that are like oh you don't you don't mix it in a bowl first and I'm like no but apparently it doesn't matter yeah there's debate around that there's debate around you know when do you salt it you know some people say oh you can't salt it too early because it's going to get watery some people you know maybe one specifically will say it's going to turn gray you donut gray gray well, that's Gordon Ramsay who calls yeah, people a donut. Yeah. So he says don't don't salt until afterwards? Don't salt until the end. How much salt are you putting on an egg that it turns gray? Chefs use a ton of salt. So like that... I mean, it mainly like... Be so salty. He may also just have high... <laughs> like, I mean, he just has lofty standards. So like maybe it's just not quite as yellow. Like it's not going to yeah. turn, you know, gray like this couch, which right. is... Uh, awesome descriptor to use to, on an uh, audio medium. That's exactly what I was <laughs> going to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, people have a lot of opinions on, yeah, eggs, steak too. There's a ton of videos on that. I feel like that's more uniform until you go into like the weirder territory where some people like just try to stand out with yeah. a different method from the, you know, kind of classical training right well that's i mean that's that's the thing that i see on tiktok a lot is i get a lot of steak tiktok and like aside from the guy who like cooks steak in the woods mm -hmm. on like a bonfire which seems like it would be hard as fuck and nobody can like nobody can criticize what he's doing because he's trying to like <laughs> it's so hard to cook anything uh but like there was a huge debate or like Gordon Ramsay, for anyone who hasn't seen it, like goes on TikTok and watches other people cook shit and then he duets it and like comments how bad they're doing or like tells them where they're, they're fucking up. And I'm sure it ends up on YouTube as well. Um, but, uh, but there's like, there's so many people that cook steak different ways and then he gets mad and then I'll see like a response to Gordon Ramsay and they're like, no, this is actually the way to do it. And it's like, it seems like Gordon Ramsay's kind of the authority on TikTok cooking at this point. But I, I don't know. Do you like a lot of his stuff? Like, do you agree with him most of the time? I think we're taking down Gordon Ramsay on this podcast. Yeah, Sam. no, that's <laughs> let me, I mean, yeah, no, I'm, I'm perfectly ready to challenge gordon ramsay on his cooking knowledge yeah um but no i mean obviously he knows what he's talking about and he's definitely been taught i think he's just been taught like very specific ways of doing it and you know he's been in intense kitchens his whole life right um where there is like just a right and a wrong but i think there are other chefs who 
you know, I've seen other chefs make, um, and I hate to go back to scrambled eggs, but like Gordon Ramsay has a very the most important thing to cook. well-known video on, uh, you know, how to cook your scrambled eggs properly. And he has this whole method, you know, he does, you, you have to make it in a saucepan. Right. You take it on the heat, then off the heat, on the heat, yeah. off the heat. It's like goat cheese and like scallions and yeah stuff and like that it it's looks very good yeah no it looks delicious i've never um i try i should say i tried to make it once and i botched it really oh bad. brian brian um, got pretty good from the the episode on michigan tech my my roommate from college he actually like did that method a bunch of times and and made it for me and it's it's yeah. good it's very unique but I wouldn't say, like, oh, this is my favorite type of scrambled egg I've ever had. Well, yeah. And I guess, um, yeah, and that's, you know, it's personal preference. And, you know, some chefs will cook it more similar to him. Like uh, Ina Garten does something very similar to him. Who is Ina Garten? Do they uh, have the like Barefoot a- Contessa. Yeah, food yeah. network. All right. Uh, food. Very, so it is someone Very wholesome okay. woman who makes right. delicious food. Nice. Um, Paula Dean. Paula Dean. No. I don't know Paula Dean's <laughs> method for scrambled eggs. Um, it's a shitload of it. It's just a stick of butter, and she calls it scrambled eggs. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, no, but someone like, uh, you know, Jeffrey Zakarian, who is a judge on Chopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an iron chef, very talented. You know, he'll just do it, you know, in a pan, you know, low heat, some butter, and, you know, he doesn't do it. You know, it's just not nearly the same style that Gordon does it in, but they still come out as delicious eggs. And yeah. someone like uh, Alex Guarnaschelli, who's similar, also a chopped judge, runs a very well-known restaurant in New York, uh, mm. Butter. Um, and she, like with the whole salt debate, the big salt debate. The big salt. <laughs> <laughs> People um, are salty about it. Yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> um, she'll, yeah, she just straight up says it does not matter. Mm. Well, um, so so I do want to throw a caveat on there. There is a wrong way to cook eggs, and it's how I grew up eating <laughs> scrambled eggs, which is burnt to shit. Like, yes, that's wrong. <laughs> it was like growing up. It was anytime we had eggs, there was just like. Uh, a layer of egg just like crusted onto the pan from my dad because he cooked it with such high heat and then he like would just let it sit there and you it would like like as an adult I it would take 20 minutes to get all the egg off the pan it was one of those where you just had to use your fingernails eventually it was or like a uh, steel wool and it was it was horrible and I grew up thinking like oh this is how eggs are and now like as a, now I'm cooking like my own eggs for breakfast, and I realize like he would burn an entire fucking egg onto that thing, <laughs> like an entire egg's worth of egg was stuck to that to that pan. <laughs> it's like okay, I'm gonna try not to do that. And like the eggs were fine because they would sit on top of a burnt layer of eggs, so it wasn't that bad tasting. But um, yeah, not there's no right way to cook an egg, but there's definitely a wrong way to cook an egg, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, like, and that's just, you know, eventually, yeah. And I think part of that, too, is just, like, you know, once you start cooking for yourself, you kind of realize, like, what works and what doesn't. And, you know, you can, you know, there's a million resources 
on how to cook pretty much any food you can think of on yeah. the internet. Um, you know, any like uh, esoteric question you may have around food, like that's on the internet. Um, you know, something like, oh, what is the b- difference between baking powder and baking soda? Long articles on that. What is the difference? Um, baking. Oh God, I can't remember exactly. <laughs> That's uh, how important it is. <laughs> it has something to do, like baking powder is a derivative of baking soda. Got it. Um, but it has, I believe they're called like acidic salts in it. Okay. Um, which neutralizes it a bit and. Although the two are interchangeable in some ways, they're not in all. Like, um, one good way to actually see how they uh, react differently is through that, like, uh, elementary school volcano experiment. Oh, um, gotcha. Where if you mix baking soda with vinegar, you know, you get that big explosion. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you were to do the same thing with baking powder, it's just like a, you know, a little fizzle. Yeah, it's just like with crack. Like if you use baking soda, you get that nice white color with your cocaine, and you get crack cocaine. But if you use baking powder, it doesn't look right, and it just like doesn't work. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I have no idea. I've never made crack. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good disclosure to get out there. <laughs> um, the feds are coming for me. <laughs> that is... Uh, uh, but, the a quick quick side note. Sure. So a uh, couple couple people are here with us, and I was able to confirm. We were able to confirm that if uh, you send a Venmo to someone and you choose the description as Cuba, the government will shut down your Venmo payment and then make you write an email to them explaining why you wrote Cuba in the description of your Venmo payment. Just for for everyone involving the feds is how I uh, how I came to that. So uh, everyone should yeah. give it a shot. I'm I'm all for everyone's trying to friend send their friend a dollar uh, with the description Cuba to get your account locked and see what happens. Yeah, just send a five dollar payment to a fake account named Kim Jong Kim Jong Un. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the nukes for North Korea is the description there. Yeah. And uh, he's he's he started a GoFundMe. Hashtag death to America. Yeah. Um, one thing that some people suggest too surrounding that is, uh, you know, because baking powder has some of that, um, some of those basic properties uh, neutralized um, and it's more pH neutral. Uh it will be said like uh, you can, you know, it's better in some desserts than in others where you're trying to neutralize some acid. You know, something like, mm. uh, you know, if there's a lot of uh, non-Dutch processed cocoa powder. We're um, getting real specific here. Yeah. <laughs> Which does, Dutch process that is a thing. By, I'm, I'm sure it is. Dutch processed cocoa powder much be- better than regular cocoa powder. Take note. Um, wow. All right. How much? Okay. So that, that is my next question is like, how much does all of this matter in the grand scale? Like how deep into cooking do you need to get before this starts to be uh, like applicable? Is anyone going to notice if you use Dutch cocoa powder versus uh, regular or baking soda versus baking powder? Uh, I mean, 
just depends totally on the context and who you're serving to. And I mean, I think in the case of like Dutch processed cocoa powder versus regular cocoa powder, yes, people will notice a difference. They just do taste fairly differently. Mm. Baking soda versus baking powder, that's more iffy. Um, Although that can impact the structure of something that you're baking too, because they do leaven slightly differently from one another. Interesting. Um, like if you do have something that's more acidic, uh, that'll cause baking soda to rise more furiously, hmm. um, which can also lead it to, like if you don't have an enough structure to support that rise it's actually going to collapse on itself interesting okay that is so i guess the the question is like how much of like do most chefs have like all of this very scientific understanding or do most like because now there's there's a lot of like amateur chefs on tiktok and youtube and stuff like do they understand that kind of stuff or do they just kind of like wing it and figure it out as they go and not really have an understanding? Cause Lloyd, you were saying about like anyone can, can Google this stuff and find it like baking powder, baking soda. I probably would have Googled, but I never, if I saw Dutch cocoa powder, I never would have Googled the difference. I would have been like, Oh, that's from the Netherlands. Yeah. And that's it. Well, yeah. And the only reason that I've looked it up is because I've seen some recipes that like specifically call for it. And I was mm. like, is this going to make a difference? Yeah. You know, and it's a fair question to always ask, like, you know, what is this actually going to do? And, you know, try and get an understanding for it. And, you know, the answer I learned on the Internet was basically, yes, it will make a difference. Interesting. Um, It's less acidic. But um, to also answer your uh, first question, (laughs) um, some, I mean, some do and some don't. Like, do I think all of these chefs know all of the scientific reasons behind what they're doing. No, I don't. Um, I think actually a lot of them... I think they're fucking stupid. uh, Well, (laughs) no, no, I don't. They're very smart people. But, you know, um, with some of it too, like you don't necessarily need to know the why. Like you can just experiment between the two and you, you know, will just notice the difference in taste and you'd be like, oh, okay, I got to go with this method. Right. And that's, you know, in the end, as a chef, that's all you need to know. Um, someone who's really good, though, if you are looking for a more scientific explanation um, of why certain processes work, and someone who's really good at deconstructing those sort of things is uh, J. Kenji Lopez-Alt. Uh, he runs the food blog Serious Eats. Okay, I've actually um, heard of that. Serious Eats. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's a fairly popular blog. It's, I mean, he knows so much. Yeah. Um, you sh- if you want a real expert and not kind of an expert, go go watch him. <laughs> <laughs> and if he's listening, please come on my podcast and tell me everything that Sam said wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, but he's. Like, he's taught me different things around that. Like, uh, one example is he taught me about the importance of, like, uh, a mortar and pestle Mm. and why those um, with his guacamole recipe. Interesting. Um, 
which now that we have op- we have like all the ingredients and I want to make off guacamole, but do it store bought it. No, that we'll, we'll eat it. Yeah. We got plenty. Um, but, uh, he was saying that it's really important because what it does is it, uh, it basically to release flavor in a lot of plants, um, you know, in the case of guacamole, something like cilantro, Mm -hmm. uh, onion, maybe garlic, um, you want to destroy the cell walls. Right. And once you do that, that's when a lot of the flavor releases itself. So if you want the most flavorful guacamole that you can get, you want to destroy as much of the cell structure within the plants as you can. So just chopping it wouldn't work. Yeah, chopping it does not work in quite the same way. Um, and same method because a food processor is basically just like chopping it a ton. Mm-hmm. That also doesn't necessarily work quite as effectively. Um, so it's a difference does, like... When you squeeze a lime versus like chop it up and put it in something, you get like squeezing the lime breaks all the cell walls and you get more juice out of it. Am I wrong on that? No, sure. I guess I don't know when you would just like chop a lime up. And I was thinking when you put it in a Corona because we've been drinking those all week. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Well, yeah. And in that case, yeah, you're destroying the fibers of the. Right. uh, Like putting lime lime. juice into a Corona would be very different than just putting the the lime wedge in there. Yeah. That'll you'll end up with more juice in there. Um, I'm not stupid. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't mean to. No, I know. (laughs) You're good. Um, Yeah. He also mentions along that note, um, if you want a quick way around that or like if you don't have a blunt object um a mortar and pestle or something similar uh one thing you can do is um you can freeze whatever plant that you want to uh use you can freeze it for like 15 minutes Hmm. and some of the moisture within the plant you know because uh water expands when it becomes yeah. ice so when it the forms cells will pop yeah the cells ah. break from the expansion of those ice crystals and then um you can uh mash it up from there and that's you get neat more flavorful yeah. yeah that's really that's okay wow that's very sciencey which like to be fair uh like cooking is very like the first cooking I think we did together was chemistry. Yeah. It was in chemistry class in high school when Mr. Larson was like, we're going to make mayonnaise in class. And, uh, it was just like egg. It was just eggs and oil. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you and I were partners and we made mayonnaise and we went up to Mr. Larson and he was like, this might be the best mayonnaise that anyone's made this year. And we fucking nailed it. It was grandma's mayonnaise. Yeah. Is, is what he said. Well, yeah, no, we made a good mayonnaise. And I remember that uh, I remember that hurt my forearm. It did. Oh, yeah, because you were doing a lot of whisking. Yeah. I was doing, yeah. Um, the, uh, I think my favorite thing about that is thinking about how much mayonnaise he tried that day between five classes of people making mayonnaise and groups of two in a class at 30. So he tried... 15 times five, so uh, 75 different mayonnaise. In reality, he just wanted to make his own macaroni salad that (laughs) day. Yeah, that was, he took it all home. What did we, did we just throw it out afterwards? What did we do with that mayonnaise? Probably, I don't know. (laughs) He he just ate it. He took it home. Yeah. 
Which we by, made good mayonnaise though, and that yeah. was in chemistry. That was the first time I think that I had thought about cooking from like a chemistry sense. Was like, oh, this is like the same thing. The the cells are reacting, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Also, pro tip, uh, when like making homemade mayonnaise for anyone who doesn't do it, it's so easy. It takes like five minutes. It's super cheap. All you need is the base is just egg yolks and oil. You hear that, Michigan listeners? Make your own mayonnaise. Make your own mayonnaise. You can flavor it however you want. Um, Hot sauce mayonnaise. Yeah, easy. Um, Well, that's also easy with the store bond too. Yeah, right. You just put hot sauce in it. Yeah, that's just spicy (laughs) mayo. But like you know, you want lemon juice in there. You want it to be a little vinegary. You maybe want some herbs in there. Yeah. You know, super easy. Yeah, yeah. So let's um, let's get back to that that uh, the guy who blogs serious eats because you mentioned mm-hmm. like you you and I were talking earlier in the week about how food media has just completely changed over the last ten years, and we were talking about how Food Network completely botched like social social media. Like they, you were, you were mentioning like they have all the best chefs. Why am I watching someone cook like a dude whose TikTok is sad poppy? Why, why am I watching him on TikTok? Why aren't I watching? Like, why aren't I subscribed to the Food Network channel? Like, why are all these amateur chefs so popular when the Food Network could have been in that spot, but are just like seem to be marketing to my mom? Yeah, and I think they just kind of like, yeah, and rather than like trying to grab those niche audiences, they just appeal to the broadest base possible, which admittingly, like, that's kind of what they had to do to you know get up and be the brand that they are today. Yeah, Yeah, because they were daytime Rachel Ray, like. Stay-at-home moms is who was watching it on yeah, cable. And they had to appeal to, uh, yeah, they had to appeal to the United States and, you know, all those stay-at-home moms and, you know, kids like me who were just watching Food Network in their <laughs> yeah. spare time. That was, um, I would go over to your house after after high school and you just have the Food Network on. Yeah, I loved, <laughs> I loved Chop. I, yeah. I would watch Ina Garten bake cookies all day. And the the um, show uh, Restaurant Impossible with your dad. <laughs> yeah, with uh, Robert Irvine, who was just, you know, yelling at people. Yeah. Um, but not to get into the dynamics no, of my family. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And I mean, like, also, Food Network was, like, kind of the first food media to even go on television. Um, oh, like, Okay. Yeah, it wasn't Alton Brown actually uh, in his Hot Ones episode. Um, Who is Alton Brown? Alton Brown is he's a food personality. He okay. hosts Iron Chef. Uh, has a show called Good Eats. He's another very uh, wonky type. Hmm. Really likes to get into the science of food. Um, and uh, no, he was explaining that like he started doing food and media and like shooting his own thing because he thought like there are no like food video, it's going to be big and no one's really doing anything with it right now. Like yeah. I can carve out a space for myself in this arena. And he did. 
Yeah. Good for him. Good for he him. He also said it depresses him to go grocery shopping, too, which I found. Why? He said he has to go really late. I should really clarify that statement because I did not explain <laughs> that well. He, it depresses him if he goes grocery shopping during the day mm. because... And he has to go like late at night because he wants to be one of the only people in the grocery store because he sees what people are buying in grocery stores oh. and it makes him sad to see like, you know, just a bunch of like processed foods. Yeah. Uh, what you a know. snowflake. Yeah, a little. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could say that every chef would feel that way. No, I think uh, they would just look down. Gordon Ramsay would just look down on them. Just be angry not not depressed <laughs> yeah you just be like Ugh. yeah i mean that would be something if you're shopping and gordon ramsay comes up he's like you really gonna buy that and you're like i guess not yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> grocery store chains hate him yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um but hot ones is a great example of like new food media it's not even food media it's well, yeah, a game it's show that centered. uses food but it is food centered like it kind like without the hot without the hot wings it's kind of a um it's just an interview show yeah. but like the addition of food to that it's it's a mix of the two, and that's why it's so fucking popular. Is like nobody else had really thought to uh, torture celebrities with food before. It's but, such uh, a <laughs> it's such a genius thing to do because uh, capsaicin, which makes uh, hot sauce spicy, that gets you high. Yeah. Um, oh, they're those people are getting like really fucked up. Yeah, they're they're straight up getting high. He's getting them high <laughs> off of spicy food. <laughs> In a very uh, legal and appropriate and even wholesome manner. Yeah. And that's why people come back to the show. <laughs> They're chasing the dragon. I've never understood that. I've never understood why you would. I Personally, I would never do the show. You know, if Sean Evans is looking for a guest, like, I. I, I <laughs> All right. Well, I'll let him know let that him you're know. not interested. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, no. Those people are getting high. And where was I going with this? I'm I mean, sorry, it's, I'm not being no, a good it's, guest. No, it's the, the, the change in, in food media. Like, for instance, I'm, like, I watch a, a bunch of cooking shows on TikTok, and it, like, uh, you can't keep up with the, the masses. Like, I'm not expecting Food Network to think of a show where, like, if you follow Men With The Pot on TikTok, they, like, bring a bunch of food into the woods, make a wood fire, uh, uh, or like a, a bonfire type thing, a wood fire stove and cook like a ton of bread, uh, meats, like, you know, vegetables, all that other stuff. It's very soothing. It's like cooking ASMR in, in the woods. I'm not expecting like a food network executive to think of that, but there's another guy that I follow where all he does is like find like he has a couple great depression cookbooks and then he makes those recipes to see if they're any good or not. And like he found one that was like the poor man's apple pie. And instead of apple, it uses Ritz crackers. And apparently it tasted exactly like apple pie. And that's like the type of show that I could definitely see Food Network being like, oh, yeah, let's make like old school recipes that nobody really makes anymore. Yeah. Or even, you know, even if that doesn't necessarily make it on the TV, like, you know, you do have a whole platform, like put it on a social media. Put it on account. TikTok. Yeah. yeah. Put it on TikTok <laughs> or YouTube or, you know, both. 
Yeah. You know? Be give it, do a show where Gordon Ramsay is making Midwestern casseroles and just mad at how much fat is in them. <laughs> yeah, sure. that's all it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, they... And they have access to some of the... Yeah, they have access to tons of incredibly talented chefs. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't see why they haven't uh, been able to pivot like that. So, you know, in addition to Sean Evans, Food Network, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Invite you on. Um, yeah, please please send me an offer to be your next executive. Yeah, right. I have some ideas. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, honestly, really the only uh, company that I think has, you know, evolved well and pivoted from kind of old school to you know uh more new school is uh is bon appetit Mm, Um, yeah because like their magazines you know they were really popular my mom loved them uh still uses recipes from them to this day um and then you know they pivoted onto their youtube channel um which I mean, just became huge. Yeah, I mean, for people who oh, their TikTok love, is big too. Like, yeah. I'll randomly get their TikToks. Yeah, no, and um, you know, like Claire and Brad and Andy, <laughs> they're all they're like household names among people who watch a ton of cooking videos, <laughs> like me. Um, yeah, and they were able to navigate the new environment really well. So really what what we're what you're saying what you're trying to get at is the um that you can like the be- some of the best you or some of the best cooking videos right now are on like YouTube and TikTok. Like those aren't like those are legitimately good videos. Those aren't people who don't really know what they're doing and you shouldn't really listen to them, right? Yeah, I mean there's, you know, there's a whole market of people who you know, maybe they're just charismatic and they're making meh food or they're famous and they're trying to get a platform like Paris Hilton tried. And <laughs> what hasn't she tried? Dude, and yeah, it's only and a matter she, of time before she does stand up. And it was just so like, you know, she was making a lasagna recipe and she was like, I eat this like once a week. And she was <laughs> like, you do not eat lasagna once a week. You do I, not make your own no, food. No, I ever. would believe that she gets a private chef to make her some and then she eats like two bites of it. Because why not? Yeah, so Paris Hilton, if you're listening, you're a liar. Yeah. Um, but This podcast has incredible reach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, there are definitely chefs who know what they're doing. Joshua Weissman, very talented cook uh steven casuro is one i really like uh not another cooking show um you know jay kenji lopez alt very talented he's primarily based in the internet although he has cookbooks out too uh andrew ray i'm binging with babish he's uh he's gotten to be a really good cook yeah um and the people from bon appetit i mean like sola was who left now, um, which there was a whole scandal around there that I won't Ooh. delve into. All right. Can you, like, what was it uh, they, about? They were, Before uh, people go watch watch her videos. They they were dealing with some uh, race issues. Ooh, um, tough. They were accused of, like, tokenizing uh, chefs with different backgrounds. Like, there's uh, uh, an Indian chef, Priya, who 
was kind of like forced into making Indian food all the time. But gotcha. White chefs had a lot more liberty to go and do other things. And, you know, the, that was starting to bubble. And then the, uh, the founder of BA video, um, was found with a, uh, old photo where he dressed up as a, um, a Hispanic person. <laughs> For Halloween. I thought you were going to say Ku Klux Klan member, so uh, eat, I guess both not good, but uh, that is some, some high drama for the cooking community. Yeah, I there is a... Do you want to talk about drama in the cooking community? Please. And like different scandals? Oh, well, we all know about Paula Dean. Yes, but let's um, reiterate for, for the listeners. Yeah, so she... Yeah, she had... She, send the, she said the N-word... And, uh, you know, after she was caught on tape saying that, then, you know, other, like, leaks of her uh, questionable uh, relation to black people. Well, the, the parties the, is... Yeah, where yeah. yeah where she, you know, had a, a... Yeah, where she was, like, hosting a wedding and only black people were serving. No, no, no. It was Oh, a, I'm sorry. It was an 18th century party. That's and right. She and they all dressed up like they were living in the 18th century, but she only had like black people serve them, and it was like, really, <laughs> really, yeah. you think this is okay? Yeah, you think she's this like, is it's okay. gotta be historically accurate. No, it doesn't. Is that what she said? Uh, that that was the argument. I don't know if she said that, but like everyone on Facebook was saying that they were like, she wanted to be historically accurate. You're like, no, that, that you don't need to. You don't need to. Yeah, you don't need yeah. to be that dark with it. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah. Ina Garten, the Barefoot Contessa, she's gotten into her uh, own scandal. She apparently has rejected uh, the Make-A-Wish Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> Twice. What kid wanted, the, wanted a chef? I don't know. Some... You, I guess? Well, no, I wasn't on Make-A-Wish. <laughs> Um, that's hilarious. But so she was, what, what did she say her reason was? I can't Fuck remember. Them kids. She's Michael Jordan. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Just like, I don't have time for some sick child's last wish. I don't know. Jesus. Was she afraid that like... If she did it for one child, all the children would want to meet her. <laughs> yeah, just like she would just be swarmed with children oh. who she has to bake cookies for, God the, forbid. The ego. Jesus um, Christ. Guy Guy Fietti, um Ooh, you said it right. Good yeah, for you. I know my shit. Also, he underrated cook. He gets known I've for heard his food personality. His burger but place in New York is one of the best burgers that anyone's ever had. Like, everyone goes in there and they're like, oh, the Guy Fieri restaurant. And then you're like, fuck, that was really good. Yeah, no, I've that dude knows how to cook. Uh, yeah, but I don't want him to know how to cook. Yeah. <laughs> well, and even after, so apparently uh, he has this weird thing where uh, on his show, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, yeah. if he's at a restaurant and the chef is a woman... And she mentions cream. He he can't help himself. You're He's, making this up. I'm not making this up. This is <laughs> online. This, this is not made up. Well, okay, maybe someone else on the internet <laughs> made this up when I Google, and this is not a joke, when I Google top 10 
Food Network scandals. Wow. All right. Um, so we got eight more to go. <laughs> Seven more to go. Yeah. So wait, when a when a female chef says the word cream, does he? Yeah, he just makes a joke about like ejaculation. And, oh, I'll believe that. Okay. Yeah. And he can't help but do it. His producers tell him like, please do not do this. <laughs> and he he just he just keeps. He say, it. "I'll give you some cream." I don't know exactly what he says. I mean, they never. <laughs> you haven't air- heard the. You have seen the videos. They don't air that. <laughs> oh, they gotta air that. Come on. Oh, behind they the keep- scenes makes it so much sleazier. I feel like if they aired it, it'd be like, ah, funny TV joke. He's like, oh, I'm joking. I don't think everyone would like that kind no, of joke. No, not everyone would like that kind of joke, but the fact that they're hiding it makes it skeevier to me. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the whole fact that's a thing is just bizarre. It is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. And the whole fact that he, like, just can't seem to stop <laughs> makes right. it weirder. <laughs> it's the highlights in his hair. They, for- they force him to do it. Right. The it's- tips. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, dude, you got to be a rebel. Look at your aesthetic. I mean, yeah. come on. Um, no, and uh, I can't remember the rest. Some of them were like, you know, affairs, you know, whatever. Not nothing, nothing uh, noteworthy. Yeah, nothing. Paula Dean is the height of that is pretty that bad experience. Yeah, that is uh, that is pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, well, we got roughly 10 minutes left sure and uh most of the people that listen to this are in the new york like tri-state area so we don't have a ton of kitchen space but this this will be a two-parter what are some of your like easy recipes to like favorite easy recipes to cook and then what are some of your uh like Here's like one or two things that take minimal effort but increase the quality of your food by like a large amount, by 10 times. Sure. Um, I guess my personal favorite easy dish to cook, um, it's called uh, aglio e olio. Um, which You're making sounds, shit up again. It sounds <laughs> the guy Fieri. It's literally. It's literally. It's joke. Italian for uh, pasta or garlic and oil. Oh, okay. Um, and all you do. It's what basically what I uh, served to you the other day with shrimp and called it shrimp scampi. Ah, oh, I've been lied to. Uh, yeah, I've you been have had. Been. You have been. <laughs> I just knew. Yeah. Um, this plebe won't understand. <laughs> I didn't think of it that condescendingly, but yes, no, I, I just knew that term would not. Right, I wouldn't have gotten it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's hear uh, that people chefs look down on us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if you think chefs look down on you, wait till you hear from people who look up how to cook some food on the internet. They look down on you much more. They probably do, honestly. <laughs> probably probably Chefs do. are more secure in their cooking ability. That's very true. Um, um, so it's but, boil and garlic, anyway. essentially. Yeah, it's basically you just uh, boil up some, uh, you know, a long noodle, linguine, spaghetti, something like that. And you, um, you know, you heat up some garlic and crushed red pepper and some oil. Uh you know, fry that up for maybe like two minutes. Then you take your cooked pasta. Um, don't strain it. Some would say don't strain it. Uh, put it in, 
directly into the uh, pan with the garlic and oil. Mm-hmm. Um, you shake that together, and just as a, a small side note, um, well, I guess you know what, and then you put in some pasta water with it, and that helps get the sauce body as previously previously mentioned. Right. But the small side note is that um, if you've ever wondered why you would buy fancy pasta, this is one area where it comes in handy. Because okay, fan, uh, more expensive pastas they typically have uh, some fl- uh, flour mm. on the outside of the pasta. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Where like yeah, it's, it's kind of whitish. Yeah, it's a yeah. little whitish. It's ah. more craggly, um, and that's excess starch that's going to make your water starchier mm-hmm. than you know something from uh, Berea um, or Barilla, however. Yeah, just standard pasta. Yeah, box. then just standard pasta, and um, so white on the noodle is good. White on the noodle is good. Okay, or at the very least, it's neutral. It's not, gotcha. It's not bad. Gotcha. Um, but you, yeah, that's going to give you starchier water, which is going to lead to a more full-bodied sauce. And uh, after you're done shaking it up, squeezing some lemon juice, uh, throwing some chopped parsley. Um, and then, uh, serve it up and that's a very easy, you know, 15 minute, uh, meal. And, you know, if you serve it up to a date, you can be like, I made you aglio e olio. Yeah. (laughs) Sound like you know what you're doing. Yeah. The, uh, just go easy on the red crushed pepper. (laughs) That that got real hot. (laughs) I I accidentally served something too spicy. It was, it was good though. Like I, I like it spicy. So it was all good. So what is one, what is like one cooking trick where you're like so many people, everyone makes this so many people don't know what they're like, don't do it this way. And it makes it a hundred times better. Um, I think I'll just give. I don't know if I can point to something in any particular dish. Uh, just a couple okay. really easy things you can do. Yeah. Um, one is put in food into your pan when it's hot. Do not put it in early. Otherwise, you will not. Um, it just won't cook the same. You know, if right. you're looking to get a sear on a piece of meat, you have to have that pan hot in order to do it. Right. Um, the only exception to that is bacon. Uh, you usually put it in a cold pan and let it heat up because that helps render out more fat. Um, Interesting. Okay. Well, if you're cooking a bunch of bacon, generally, like the first part of it goes well, and by the end, the oil's splashing you in the face because everything's so hot. Yeah. And if you want to avoid that too, uh, baking, bacon, baking bacon in an oven is also a very viable strategy. Nah, people shouldn't do that. What are you talking about? You got to pan fry your bacon. Man, even Bobby Flay would disagree with you on that. Bobby Flay can suck it. <laughs> no, you when hear I that, do, Bobby? when I yeah, he's gonna be so mad. Um, uh, when I do so. like baking bacon is when I do candied bacon, mm-hmm. which is like brown sugar, uh, a little bit of cinnamon, and a little bit of crushed red pepper, and you put that on the bacon, and you put it into. Uh, Sorry, cinnamon. Yeah, cinnamon, brown sugar, crushed red pepper. You put it on the on the bacon. Put it in a baking sheet. Throw that in the oven, and the the sugar uh, melts or like kind of hardens yeah. onto the bacon and makes like a, a candy on top of it. And it's a little bit spicy as well. That's mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, 
Yeah, nothing quite like uh, bacon and sugar. Yes, exactly. Um, but uh, a couple other tips. Don't be afraid. Salt just makes things better. Don't be afraid to use it. Uh, I think people okay. typically tend to undersalt their stuff. Well, it, nobody wants anything to be too salty. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But, but you're saying it's hard to get to too salty. Yeah. I think I think people tend to undersalt their food. Um, salt just brings out all the other flavors. It mm. just makes it better. And yeah, there are there are definitely times where well, yeah, people salt your food. Um, <laughs> and season in general, you know, like yeah. don't be afraid. Like whenever I'm making like a big stew, I end up using, you know, something like half a cup of seasonings. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, but it makes it it makes it that much better. Oh yeah. Um Another tip, don't overcrowd your pan. That's an easy one to avoid. Yep. Um, you know, if you accidentally chopped up too much, it will, you know, if you don't want to do batches, like, sure. But if you want to make it as good as possible, cook something in batches. Because um, what's going to happen if you overcrowd the pan, um, you know, the amount of stuff that you put in, it's going to put too much moisture in the pan. Mm. So, like, if you put in, say, a ton of chicken at the same time all that moisture from the chicken is releasing into the pan um and it ends up like steaming the chicken rather than uh, browning and searing the chicken gotcha um so and you know browning I have, is good i have done i have had a problem with that actually putting too much chicken in the pan and then it kind of steams it yeah i mean i still do it sometimes to this yeah. day i just it's not the worst thing ever no as long as it's not raw <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um. Yeah, but okay. so there yeah. are uh, yeah there are three. That's no, that's that's all helpful. Like even the the crowding the pan thing, it's just something that you don't think about. You're like, oh, there's room in here. I'll just throw something in there. But oh, number four. Yeah, sharp knives. Yeah, of course. Yeah, would of course, but at the same time, people. Yeah. Like let's this Airbnb for example, <laughs> these knives true. are dull. Is yeah, these dull knives are They're, very dull. Yes, sharp knives. You're going to get more even cuts. Yep. Um, you're less at risk of hurting yourself. Use yep. very sharp knives. Yep. Well, we're at an hour. Thank you, Chef Gagoff. I feel like I still learned some stuff, and I feel like over the next three weeks, I'm going to learn. Still learn some stuff. I mean, even just from not even watching it, just hearing you talk about it, I feel like I learned even more uh, from this, even stuff we, we hadn't been talking about all week. Um, and then the next the next three weeks, I'm sure I'll learn more. And if I don't, uh, I'll come back on this podcast and say that people shouldn't listen to this. Like, don't believe anything he said. Good deal. That's a threat. <laughs> you better Good keep deal. cooking. Or are you going to take my episode down? Is yeah, that what you're I saying? Will. I will. It's like this episode was removed for false expert yeah, fake kind news. of yeah right <laughs> kind <laughs> of fake news got it no thank you for doing this it was nice to have you back on and uh we'll do another one soon all right sounds good